Good evening, everybody. Thanks for having me in Toronto. Uh, does anyone know what's going on here? <laughs> Someone has to inform me. <laughs> I, I'm going to frame it in recovery terminology, because that's where I came from. I want to really speak about the conditioned mind's drive to be relevant. It's like it's like blood in my view. So let's say you get a message that everything is just okay, just as it is, and everything's perfect. It still seems like you need to acknowledge that for that to be so. Okay? So someone says, exactly as you are right now, Everything is just exactly the way it is. There's no person, there's no thing, and yet there's still be a drive of relevance by the mind to, su- to find out or see where it plays a role in that, of everything being just okay, just as it is. It almost seems as it needs its consent for that to be so. And then you, can't, you keep trying to find where you're relevant in. There's absolutely nothing to do because the conditioned mind has a very difficult time with nothing to do because it's in doing that it gets relevance. In, in recovery, we talk about it as playing God. So the, the, the conditioned mind in self-centeredness plays God, with God, actually. So it will tell you how close and far you are to God. Even if you met your greatest teacher, let's say, the greatest authority that you've made someone else in your life, and you went and saw them, her or, she, or him, and, you, and they said, you know what? You have always been okay, you are okay, and you always will be okay. I bet you that would make last for an hour or two until you got home. Because then the real authority would rise up and, and proclaim that I'm not okay. Even though that other authority was the seeming of authority of all authorities. But only given that role by the authority of selfing. Yeah. To me, self, there is no noun called self. It's just selfing. It's a mental process. And the mental process is selfing. And in that process, it makes up a noun out of all that verbing called a self. As soon as that occurs, then instead of seeing life as happening, you see life as either happening to you or by you or for you or through you. But you are always the relevant aspect of it. Not life, but you. And then at that point, as soon as the selfing... <laughs> sets up this see it's a verb yeah. there's a verb called selfing part of the verb of selfing is an illusion that there's a noun sort of like a noun rises above and now it claims the mental process instead of seeing instead of the seeing the natural seeing that it is a verb the natural seeing is clouded and there's, set, there's a sense of a noun that now starts looking yeah. it's much different than seeing because looking is a contrived way of seeing. It's seeing being claimed by selfing. And then selfing plays God with seeing and it causes it to be a way of looking. And so now, like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you and I are looking for. But I like to say it's really what's seeing is what, is what you and I are looking for. And at every moment, at every moment there's looking, that's the seeing. Now who's going to make the qualification of is that the real seeing the belief the thing that's looking that's playing God so now you're looking for seeing 
but you can only only can recognize it as an object to the seer, which is you. Okay? So this, the object becomes a subject, and it throws everything else into an objective role. So there's no way of getting around it. Enlightenment will be an object to you. Truth will be an object to you, because you're now the subject. And as soon as this is taken to be a subject, everything is thrown into an objective role. So now, I want to know the truth. And conversely, I can do something not to know the truth. If that ain't playing God, I don't know what is. That here, let's say there's the topic or the object of God, so I want to know God. Now, who's going to tell me how how I'm doing with that knowing God? Who's going to inform me if I'm getting closer or farther away? It's like that game we used to play when we were kids in the yard and someone would hide something and they'd play hot and cold, yeah? So you'd start looking for it, and they would go, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you just went on a retreat, you're getting warmer, you've been meditating two hours a day, you're getting warmer, you're really purifying yourself with lots of yoga and good vegetarian food, warmer even still, and then maybe even hot, but then at a whim, you're cold. (laughs) You go to a month retreat, the first day you leave the retreat, you're cold again. So what does the head say? Do a three-month retreat. And then it's a three-month retreat with silence and talking. It mixes it up. And then Chantra thrown in there. Yes? And now they're bringing in therapy into retreats. <laughs> and on and on we go in this modality of doing and having. Because the only way self can have relevance is in doing and having. When this is presented that there's absolutely that you're actually receiving nothing, the selfing will try to make something out of it by you saying no to it. If you say no to nothing, you've made it a something, a something to say no to. Nothing is not yes or no, it's just a realization. All there is is seeing. That's all there is. All there is is seeing. Every form of looking here to the best and down to the worst is actually an act of being blind to the natural seeing. And the more you try to look with the lens of Buddhism or this and that, the more blind you're becoming to the actual natural seeing because you're the relevant one in the practice. You're the one that will affirm your condition or not. And that's all selfing wants, is relevance. It wants to write itself into the story somehow. Somehow, if, if I omitted something that causes me not to know the truth, or I've committed something that causes me to know the truth. Which is more important at that point, the truth or you? So for me, the truth of this is you're totally irrelevant as a self. You're totally irrelevant. You have absolutely nothing to do with it. You don't even have to in- entertain this message. That's way too much. That's still tons of doing. It's just something hits you, but it doesn't hit the you. As soon as the you gets entered, it can be a hit or miss. But without the you, it's just a constant hit. You're on. And how can you deny it? Because if consciousness is all there is, then in this place, how would, what would be the verb of consciousness? What would be the verb of consciousness in this place? Wouldn't it be conscious of? Just like a runner runs, consciousness is conscious of. 
the verb of it, and every moment I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. I'm not seeing. We have a subjective language used by objects. It's very difficult to share, to indicate, or to point at this, because we are an object using a subjective language. It's I, me, my all the time. It's always about somehow I have some relevance in something being entertained. What's really truly entertained is your irrelevance. It's really my absence that is that presence. That as an absence I'm trying to feel by all my practices. As this, I am truly absent. This absence is looking for a presence. But the presence appears only when this is seen as an absence. When this is seen as an absence, that's that. There's not one step, there's not one process, there's not one moment of moving towards or away. There's just an immediate recognition of what's always seemingly been so. And actually, that's that. Once this, see, even again it goes once, meaning as if I had something to do with it. Once the seeing has been entertained, and the seeing, no, there's just seeing. There's nowhere where you are relevant. That's why you have to see when you try to share about this, all it does is capture your desire, your mind's desire to be relevant. And it just keeps saying, no, no, no. And you just want to play a role. It only, it's the truth of all truth, but it will only appear to be true if I entertain it. <laughs> oh, man. It's like sneaking in there once, you know, all right, I'm still valuable. I said no to the truth. I'm walking around totally unconscious to the truth. Unbelievable. How, how much power can I have if I can say no to the truth of all truths? But you're not that. And you never were that that decided it wasn't that. <laughs> you were never this that came to this great decision. I'm not this. Because once again, your head is writing its relevance into the story. You were never this, and so there's never an event that I'm not this. I mean, if there's a, a sense of, like when I was a kid, I went to Catholic school, and they had three things they pound away into you, which is God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, which means it's all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. And so it used to hit me, then why aren't I feeling it if it's everywhere? How can I not be feeling God? How can I not bump into Him if it's everywhere? And then, because that idea which I grew into, you grow into the idea of being a self. When you're a baby, there's no separation for the first year or so. Yeah? You do not see a mother as another. There's just that. Yeah. But you grow into this idea of being a self. <clears throat> you slip, your mind starts thinking about me. Yeah? The me is a thought, but it starts thinking about that thought as if it's a noun. Yeah? And so in a sense, this idea of being a self sort of climbs out of the ocean of verbing and comes on land and just... And, and then announces that it is solid and real and a fixed reference. And as soon as that sense of self is taken to be you, you are now in a special somewhere. It's almost like a gated community. 
everywhere can be acknowledged, but only as a concept. Because everywhere cannot be possibly where you are because you are a special somewhere. You are a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And so here you are in this gated community and you want to learn about everywhere, but you cannot possibly learn about everywhere as a special somewhere. Because the special somewhere is precluding the hit of everywhere. And so where do I have to go if I'm trying to find everywhere? What map would I have to get? And maybe I'll even make it juicier to get to the center of everywhere. Where would be the center of everywhere? Everywhere. Where would I start going to everywhere? Anywhere or everywhere. Where would I end up? Everywhere. Where do you have relevance in all of that? You only have relevance if it's a special somewhere. Because a special somewhere at least has to deny its special somewhere-ness. So that the everywhereness breaks over it at like a special somewhere. <laughs> I've woken up. <laughs> I've risen. I have risen above the chaos. It's a story. There's no rising above anything here. There's just seeing. There's conscious contact. Seeing is demonstrating its verb by being conscious of. There's vision, there's hearing, there's tasting, there's touching, there's smelling, and there's witnessing thoughts. That's being conscious of. All day. What happens though? The mental process says, I'm conscious of. It claims the seeing, claims the hearing, claims the feeling, claims the tasting, claims the touching, and definitely claims the thinking. So now thinking isn't thinking, it's my thinking. I'm the thinker of it, or it's about me. Seeing is never even sensed anymore as a verb. It's I'm seeing that. The emphasis is on me and the object I'm seeing. The emphasis is on the hearer and what's heard, but never on the hearing. That's the conscious contact. To me, that's the always available evidence of your absence. Because you are not conscious as this. You actually are conscious of this. You are not conscious. Well, maybe you may believe you are. This is, I'm just sharing whatever for me. I am not conscious as this. I am conscious of this. And I'm not even I that's conscious of this, because it would sound like there's a difference between I and you. There's just seeing of this. And this is being made up. This is being reinforced. This bondage to this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is reinforced, that bonding agent, because in a sense... There's nothing to be bound. But the bonding agent isn't natural. So for this, your consciousness, you as what you are, to be bonded to the idea of being a body, there has to be a very strong glue. There has to be a very strong glue. And that's the daily narrative of a life looked at from a fixed reference called Paul. And that daily narrative, the language, sets the glue every day, every day, and then you live as if you are a body. And that this becomes conscious. This is what's conscious. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. And as soon as I believe it's my seeing and hearing, feeling, tasting and touching, then it releases all of the possibilities in split mind. I can have an opinion. I don't want to see that. I didn't like to hear what I just heard. And on and on and on. And then this giant avalanche of selfing. Selfing, 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 selfing. (laughs) 
And self can't get out of self. How can a product of a mental process ever transcend the mental process? How can a product that's made by a mental process transcend the mental process it's made of? It doesn't exist any other place than there. So here, simply, what are most people living in today? They're living in a mental experience of what's not happening. They're not having a physical experience of it, because why? It's not happening. But they can have a mental experience of it, so they think. And they think about the past and the future. So here I am sitting here tonight. What tonight is it? Friday. Sitting here on a Friday night. But my head is thinking about next week. Now, in what's not happening, anything can happen. Literally, anything can happen in what's not happening. I can have cancer next Friday. I may be very healthy right at this moment as this action figure, but I can have cancer. I can be destitute next Friday. My girlfriend is definitely sleeping with my best friend next Friday. I know it because I'm away. I'm in Toronto. She's in San Francisco. I should have called her before I came here. So, in what's not happening, anything can happen. Now, I can't really see it. I can't hear it. I can't taste it. I can't touch it. But I, ha- I have, can have a mental experience of it by thinking about it. Yeah? And what happens is, in what's not happening, anything can happen. Like people called it, I think we make a mistake with fear. Fear is a valid emotion. It's meant to come up when something threatens you now. Yeah? Most of us are in anxiety, which is a product of what's not happening. Because right now in this room, there's no threat, is there? You may be threatened by the boredom I may be causing you, whatever. There's no apparent physical threat to you. But some people will be sitting here flipping out. So obviously they're not responding to what's happening. They must be reacting to what's not happening. And not everyone is in the same what's not happening. Yeah? Like you may be in uh, next Friday. I may be back two years ago on a, a Monday night. Yeah? And it's very difficult. That's why communication doesn't work. Because most of us are complaining about what's not happening. And the other person... You present your mountains, but they see them as molehills, and then they present their mountains, and you see them as molehills, because you're not in the same what's not happening. It's like being in a little porno theater, yeah? You're up in a little porno theater, and it's total mental experience, and, you know, Paul's getting done by Dallas, or Dallas is doing Paul. On and on and on and on and on and on. And this is just the relevance of selfing. It can't find true value now, so it creates time, not creates, it makes time, so it can seem to be really special in the past and the future. So here I am, and what's not happening, and the unfortunate thing, as is in this body, this body is just responding to whatever the mind thinks is happening. So it downloads the anxiety that's being entertained about what's not happening, and then you start experiencing the anxiety now. But the anxiety is a product of what's not happening. You brought it up. And the resentment and the regret is a product about what's not happening. You're not, a regret or a resentment means you're redoing something. Re means to redo, to do again. And let's say, like, resent is, the word centauri means to feel. So what you're doing is you're re-feeling. And in my, my feeling, being addicted and identified with a mental process, all you're doing is re-feeling and rethinking and rehashing, and representing. That's all the mind does, isn't it? What happens when you go home and you can't sleep? Isn't the mind representing the day? 
over and over again from about 50 different angles. It's saying, well, if I would have done this, this could have happened. And it always makes it like everything would have turned out better if you would have done what you didn't do. Just like when you... Have you ever realized you usually really want something you don't have? It's the way the mind juices it up. You want something you don't have. Let's say you have a girlfriend, and the whole time you're with her, if you're living in benign neglect of her. You don't really pay much attention to her. But then she leaves, and she suddenly becomes the source of all your happiness, now that she's gone. Do you think that's just random? There's an agenda there. The selfing feeds on drama. It feeds on anxiety. It feeds on concern. It feeds on vindictiveness and envy. It feeds on being special. It feeds on being relevant. So, okay, what would be the antidote to what's not happening? What is happening? Hmm? What is happening? Exactly. <laughs> what is happening is the antidote to what's not happening. Or, you can just say, it's not happening. Now, what more would you need to do about something that's bothering you, that's not happening, then to realize it's not happening. Would you need to have therapy over Really. Would I want to go over and pay people money and say, hey, listen, I've got a real problem. And they go, yeah, what is it? Well, it's not happening, actually. Well, let's go on. If I was a... If I was a healer, the best I could do is say, hey, it's not happening. But I don't like that idea. I know you don't, but it's not happening. I'm not going to buy that solution. Let's get another one. Okay, here we go. Once a week for four years, come and we'll talk about what's not happening. <laughs> but isn't that, as soon as you would see it was hap- wasn't happening, that would be that. Eh? There would be an immediate recognition, and where, what would actually be occurring then? What's happening? You would be right where you've always been. You would leave the mental experience, and you'd be rooted in what's happening now. And an immunity would grow to what's not happening, based on the relevance of what's happening. Now, how many problems can you cook up right now, from today? But how many problems can you cook up from a future and a past? And let's say you have 50 problems. You must be pretty damn relevant to have 50 problems. You don't know, you cannot believe the size of my problems. Buddha was supposedly said, I don't know what he said actually, but purportedly he said, when you see, see, when you hear, hear, when you feel, feel, when you taste, taste, when you touch, touch. You can be conscious of the conscious contact. Why? Because you're conscious. Not you are conscious, but there's consciousness. If it's you that's conscious, you will be unconscious and conscious based on what you do and don't do. Doesn't it happen that way? You say no to all there is is consciousness, and now how conscious you are and how unconscious you are is going to be dependent on who? You. Something you omitted causes you to be unconscious. If I would have just gone on that retreat, if I would have just gone to India in 95, 
then I would be really conscious. It's always about the self. But with all there is is consciousness, that's an optionless state. There's nothing for the self to do. There's just the recognition that there's nothing as a self, actually. But definitely, there's nothing for the self to do. And yet, it's going to do a lot of stuff. You are, anyway. For me, that's the scene. I don't know what we are, but you can see what you're not. It's being revealed every day. You can see what you're not, and in the seeing what you're not, that's being what you are to me. Conscious. You're the living verb of conscious. You're conscious of. And so you and I can become conscious of what we're not. And in that, that's being what I am. I don't have to be what I am. All I have to do is realize what I'm not. And that's being what I am. There's not one thing I need to do whatsoever. All I need to do is tell the truth seemingly about what I'm not. Because it's not you, it's really telling the truth about nothing. So there's really nothing you're doing. Boom. And immediately, that verb of being conscious of is it. To me, it's a living experience. It's not something I reach. Because if I believe I could reach it, I'll believe I can do something to unreach it. If I believe that I attained it and achieved it, you better believe your mind thinks you can do something to lose it. Because you're the total relevance of the whole situation. You and I believe we got on a path and we practiced and then we achieved a certain state, then you can do something or not do something to lose that state. That ain't it. That's just a, an experience. That's just a phenomenon here. All there is is consciousness. It's an optionless condition. But as a self, in the selfing, it will seem to you that you can be unconscious or conscious, dependent on you, once again. It's constantly seeking to write itself into the story. This is about offering nothing. Which is really nice because you can't return it. You can't return nothing. There's no guarantee or warranty that I'm going to be beholden to. And my job is to be obsolete, actually. This is like one of the worst career choices you could ever make. Because my job is to be totally obsolete. I'm just a mailman, just inviting you to see If what's seen is what you're looking for, that any moment you believe you're looking for, isn't seen. The looking for doesn't have to purify, it doesn't have to dress a certain way, it doesn't have any requirements whatsoever. The seeing is what you're looking. As you're looking for, that looking is seen. What turns the seeing into a looking is the you, the idea of being you. Because now you claim the scene, as soon as you claim it, it becomes a way of looking. We like to say it's called self-centeredness. 
Now, as an alcoholic, or recovering alcoholic, we're just extreme examples of self-centeredness, but everyone has, is in self-centeredness as a, in this condition, Ted. Of course, there's no everyone, but you know, I mean, to try to use this language, it's very difficult to point out. But here's this position of self-centeredness. You see everything as how it pertains to you, really. The you that you're not. That's how you view everything. It's not something you're doing, it's just the system. And that system, every one of us has have gone over the possibilities that are offers over and over again. I mean, how many fairy princesses have you gone through? How many knights in shining armor would you hope are going to save you? The fourth or fifth one now? How about the next vacation or the next house I buy or this or that? There's always sort of putting off your arrival date, but you really, truly believe and really have this feeling that once everything got together, I would arrive, and then, then it would translate into me being happy, joyous, and free. But the me that wants to be happy, joyous, and free cannot embrace happiness, joyous, and free. one to do. Come to Toronto. Do something. Whatever. It doesn't matter. In a sense. Because everything that's done is seen. Everything that's not done is seen. Everything, every thought that's ever been noted is because the, the mental process was illuminated by consciousness. How could you find anything prior to that, even in your living experience here? How could consciousness be claimed by what is appearing in it as what's conscious? How could a thought represent me more than what's illuminating the thought? good news. My solution that I found, not found, but I put out is the best way to get out of something is realize you were never in it. There's never been a long-lasting independent separate And any activity to try to get out of it just reinforces you being in it. Yeah? You're in it. If you believe that being obsessed with you is the problem and you take two years of workshops to get out of it, that would be obsession with you. There's no way in the system you can ever get out of the system. Self will never get out of self. And it keeps attempting to be relevant in that process, but there's just a recognition, I'm not that, and that's it. You're out of it by never being in it. Because if you believe you're getting out of something, then you actually believe you are in something. So for me, it's so fast, because I don't entertain I've ever been in it, so there's no need to get out of it, and that's what I would call being out of it. It's like St. Francis says, it's in the self-forgetting that you're reborn. The self-forgetting wasn't an event that happened, it's a verb. The verb of self-forgetting. You're living in the forgetfulness of self. This has been seen to be an absence, and then you sense the presence. When this becomes a presence, the presence has to be absent. 
in your view. It has to be. Our perceptual reality here is based on duality and dualism. If I become the subject, everything gets cast into being an object. I will forget that universal subject, and I'll take myself to be what's conscious. And then all the relevance I'll be given to this. Even when it's concerning that, which I, let's say, call God. It'll be based on what I think, how close I am or far away from it. Yeah? This is about, I see this as an object, that's the true subjectivity. It's verbing by being conscious of. So the verbing is constantly intimating that. Every moment, the living scripture is, is declaring what's true. Just by being conscious. We're not two levels below a coconut, are we? No. We have the quality of consciousness. So you can be conscious of that. But not as this. If you become if you become conscious of that as this, it will be that to this. And the that will reflect the relevance of this in every movement you make towards it. The nobility of the search won't be to the object you're searching for, but to the seeker of it. The relevance will be given to you every step of your lovely, perfect, beautiful, spiritual path. When this is seen as not this, then all there is is that. And then you see the the structuring and the reinforcement and the presentation of selfing. You see it. And if you're seeing it, you're not seeing from it. And that's the freedom from the bondage of self. The bondage of self is an activity. You were never bonded to self. It didn't happen 30 years ago like you got a brand like a cow and now you've got the brand of the self ranch, you know, and you're running around and everyone was, yeah, you No, it's a verb. You're selfing. Not your selfing. It's very difficult to say there's selfing going on. The mental process is selfing and it's caught up in this illusion of being a noun, the self. That being that causes you to be unconscious of consciousness. I had a direct hit when I was young. My uncle Fred, who I really liked, because he used to give me money at relatives' parties. I saw it, he died, and so I was nine years old. My mother took me to the funeral. So she walked me by the casket, and I looked at Uncle Fred, and I had a direct hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. Just like that. Wow, that ain't Uncle Fred. He was dead. The body was there, but what was ever, what was really so about him was gone. Seemingly, yeah? and it was so clear about it that. In hindsight, I was thinking the body was Uncle Fred because I was thinking that this was Paul. This was me, so that must be him. But with with it not being there, it was so obvious that was not Uncle Fred. And you could take an eye out of his head and put it in a live body and it would see, but it was not seeing then. It is not the eye that sees, obviously. It's the consciousness that sees through the eye. For me, it's... It's like this is a telescope, yeah? This apparatus. Let's say there's a telescope and the scientist wants to see the stars. So he goes through a telescope and the lenses create a, make up a perception that the stars are closer, yeah? Now if you saw him doing that, the stars haven't moved closer, literally, you know? They're still way up there. But perceptually he sees the stars by looking through the telescope. So let's just say consciousness gets to see itself as other by looking into life through this. 
some undifferentiated light comes into this telescope, the lenses, like a prism, make up a world. Yes? Now it's all differentiated light. But it's all undifferentiated light. It appears to be differentiated when it comes to a body. So consciousness comes through a body, and through the body it can be conscious of others, things, and everything like that. Yeah? When all there is is consciousness, and that's that, it's not having an experience of consciousness. Yeah? But here, when it becomes differentiated, it can be conscious of things, and then it gets to experience the verb, I don't know what it does, but the verbing of itself, which is conscious of. Well, let's say the, tel- the scientist is looking through that telescope and he walks away. If the telescope starts thinking it's the one that was seeing, yes, when the actual seeing is gone, what is it doing? It's looking now from the past. It has the remembrance of seeing. There was that seeing, and there still is that seeing constantly, but it overrides the seeing by a formalized way of looking, which is self-centeredness which is always representing conscious contact in a different light as you being conscious or unconscious. And it's constantly representing and interpreting what's going on with you as the fixed reference. You are like the center of the universe. So that seeing gets forgotten by the looking. The telescope is looking now, but it's 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 not actualized in the seeing. It's in a formalized way of looking, which actually, it passes as seeing, but it's a way of being blind to seeing. So, in a way, most of us are attempting to, as a product of self-centeredness, get relief from the system of self-centeredness. But never entertaining that we're not a product of the self-centeredness. That's the true relief. The true relief is realizing I'm not that. And therefore, all the this that's created by that, I don't need to deal with. Yeah. It's not a freedom in, in, in like, a, it's not a freedom of way away plans. It's now. It's an active verb. You are now traveling lighter. There's a freedom that's the rubber hitting the road, not a freedom you get when you go away for a day or two at some place. You know, have that kind of music we had on before but a freedom that's actualizing itself, verbing. You are an expression of it. Just like the telescope facilitates the scientist to see, this is the interface for consciousness to express itself through in its verb of being conscious of. Question come up. All right, yes. So is this biological machine an Yes. Is there a point then where my ego mind becomes passive and we just let these sensations like the these come in consciously the whole? See again there's it sounds there's a relevance in there that you're gonna do something. Well would that consciousness become so active? People talk about the mind being slow. And um, 
Well, the mind is still. What's agitated is the mental process of selfhood. The mind is still. The mind is peace. That's why it says you can enjoy peace of mind. It's not made. You can enjoy peace of mind because there's peace in mind. But what's the agitation is the selfing. The selfing starts seeking. Yes? It's generated. It's been seeking since it recognized the tip. Its whole thing is seeking, 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 seeking. And if you know it, when you find something that it is hope, saying that I'll stop when you find that, have you just ran right over it after a week or two? I know people who think they've been enlightened three times this life. Once wasn't enough. They got enlightened once, and then they got enlightened. They did some other thing, and now they're enlightened. They got the second enlightenment. I just heard from my friends that they're, they're on their third enlightenment. This engine of seeking, seeking, seeking is very, very oomphy. Yeah? So, of course, that's going to agitate the mental process. And if you're identified as the mental process, yes, you're not going to sense the peace of mind because you have to play a role in producing it. You would get up immediately if peace of mind wasn't produced by sitting five hours of meditating. Yeah? If peace of mind just hit you right now and it had absolutely nothing to do with you, you'd probably run home and do something. No, you want it to be about you. It's never about the truth. It's always about you in relation to the truth. So there is no really, no relationship, there just is. Yes. And, and it doesn't need to be entertained by what isn't. It really doesn't. It's a scene. Yeah? Just like you see what's not happening, obviously, because it's not happening. <laughs> it's not very... You don't need an 800-page book of how to see what's not happening not, as not happening. It's not happening. Yeah? It's really that obvious. It's like blue is seen as blue. There's just the verb of consciousness being conscious of. And then after that, there's a reaction by the mental process and it claims it. It says, I'm conscious of, which gives it permission to be unconscious. Yeah. It takes the consciousness and it goes, I'm going to separate it. I can be conscious or I can be unconscious. Now, how could consciousness become unconscious? I, as the great God-playing one, must have done something to cause consciousness to become unconscious, that must make me incredibly relevant. And then, I, who was unconscious, can do something to become conscious, which makes me extremely more relevant. But all there is is consciousness, there's no relevance to mine as a self. It's just an, it's just not a realization, it's because that would be we, you know. It's just a seeing, that's, that's that. That it's in my total irrelevance is the total presence. And I don't mean... See, the head hears this. A lot of people don't like this when I present it this way. I usually don't do this to the last day. Because you know, this usually ruins my, uh, my attendance. It's sort of like if you ever bring up personal doership. That does not go well with you. Because personal doership is the root of self. Totally the root of self. The total root of self. They'll listen to everything. Oh, we're the blissful light here. You're not a personal doer? No, 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 no. They want to be. I came here. I came to this talk. I'm the one who came here. It's, you know, to me, it's like the seeking of relevance is selfing. That's the primal energy of selfing, is seeking relevance. 
being special and being right. Yeah. Seeking relevance. This is, when I see that and I'm not that, then what I cause to be a goal that is going to be based on me doing something or not doing something becomes immediacy. Because it's always been an immediacy. I have absolutely nothing to do with it. Therefore, time doesn't get involved in it because it takes me time to do something. Time becomes totally irrelevant. It's prior to even me sitting and going, all right, I'm going to get ready for the talk. I've already missed it. There's no kidding. Who's getting ready for the talk? (laughs) It's prior. It's so quick, there's no time. It's just like, how many people here today were in a cafe and they heard someone complain about gravity? Gravity. Like, oh, Jesus, my shoulder. It's really pressing hard against my shoulder. How about you? I see your right one's dropping. I'm having a real heavy experience of gravity. They know. You never experience gravity, do you? Because you're always experiencing it in the body. You're constantly under its influence, and therefore you don't recognize it whatsoever. You only know it when you're absent. When you go into an anti-gravity thing, then you realize, oh, now I know what gravity is. Exactly. You will not know the presence but by your absence. And your absence is the recognition of irrelevance. Because it's not your absence as if you're a solid thing. Your absence is seeing the verb of selfing as not being you. There's no noun of self that has to be absent. It's the verb of a noun in the verbing. That's the absence of what? Self. That's the presence. That's when looking and seeing are seen, are seen to be the same thing. Because the you that separates them is gone. So there isn't seeing that turns into I'm looking, it's just seeing. The you comes out, then seeing and looking aren't. There's no conflict with seeing and looking. So you would never know your own absence. Exactly. Exactly. You can't imagine your own absence. This will never get out of the realm of of relevance. I'm serious. You will just keep trying to find an authentic self somewhere where every... What will happen is your vision of something will enlarge and there will be a sense that you're the thing that's seeing the content now and you're on the rim of context. Yes? Then it will enlarge again, and it's like Ramana Maharshi used to have a, a thing. He'd say, okay, there's people that they see the world as unreal. Yeah. They see the real, the whole world is unreal. And they're like in an auditorium, and they're watching the world like a movie. And they're in the recognition that it's unreal. But they had, there's a sense that they're real. Yes? Sitting in the auditorium. He would say the circle's much bigger than they think. They think the circle's seeing the world's unreal. Them thinking they're seeing the world unreal is part of the circle. Yes? So, every time, this, the authentic self isn't a, it's a, it's a verb. You believe you're seeing. <laughs> yes? Yes? You believe you're seeing. And the circle, you're included in that. Yes? There is no place where there becomes an authentic self. There's no place where you proclaim, I finally saw. There's just seeing. There's seeing. There's no point where the noun arises and claims it and says, I saw. Yes? There's just seeing. 
There's no point where a noun arises and says, I saw. I'm see I saw. I saw that I'm just seeing. No. It's like an epiphany. Did you make a reservation for an epiphany? Do you ever have one? Did everyone ever occur to you? Did you call ahead and say, yeah, all right, let me get the Kenny Loggins music pumped in and some candles and run the bath. I'm going to really like to be in the bath when this thing happens. Jesus Christ. And an epiphany occurs. Yeah. Now, if you ever been in one, and of course I'm using the subjective language by an object, but well, if you've ever been in an epiphany, it usually ends, the ending of it coincides with a thought, which is, I just had this incredible epiphany. <laughs> so there's the verbing of life, unadorned as selfing, so there's, let's say, we call it an epiphany, when selfing rises again. And the mind, the mental process, claims that and says, I'm, I just had this incredible epiphany. And then usually it will look up what epiphanies are like, and then it will call up other people. Let's compare epiphanies. I want to see where I'm on the epiphany ladder. Yeah, I think this was a big one, a really big one. I think mine is bigger than yours. You know, whatever. And so immediately it claimed the epiphany. And also, while it's claiming the epiphany, it bookends it with a sense of being Paul before the epiphany. You have to see this. It's a tricky little devil. Yeah? So it book sends it. So here's an epiphany, which is just an incredible revelation of your absence <laughs> and of your relevance in everything. Yes? Unbelievably blatant wax and bitch slap right across the face. Huge. Yeah? The head regroups. Unbelievable. The mental process, if, if nothing else, it's a real regrouper. It can just reconstitute like that. So it goes, okay... I just had this incredible experience, and I didn't have it three hours ago. I was at the 7-Eleven, and then I was walking, and I went to Denny's, and then when I was in Denny's, it hit me. Yeah. So now, it will tell people, and they'll try to go to the 7-Eleven, they'll try to order the same thing at Denny's, and they'll try to create the same situations at the Epiphany. <laughs> I must have ordered the wrong thing. That's why it didn't happen to me. So now the epiphany, which was an incredible revelation of soulness, in a sense, becomes an experience yourself enhanced. That's what it does. That's its relevance. It claims. Claims, claims. It claims the body as my body. It claims time as my time. It claims problems as my problems. It claims, claims thoughts as my thoughts. Feelings as my feelings. Everything that consciousness is revealing, it claims it. Yeah? So in the claiming of it, you, get, you lose the sense of being conscious, and you get the sense of being conscious as this. Don't you? You're walking around feeling, hey, this is what I'm conscious on. It's a sense. As soon as that occurs, you definitely do not entertain being conscious of. So now you may try to do things to become more conscious as this, and then you may want to say no to the things that you believe make you less conscious as this, but there's no recognition of the optionless state of all there is is consciousness. Yeah. And all there is is consciousness is being here by being conscious of, through this apparatus.
Yes. Well, of course they're happening, but this whole place is not happening, <laughs> really. But so here, here, yeah. Well, let's say there's a thought, yeah. Well, if you're not identified as it, a thought is a thought, and therefore it has its own nature, which is to come and go. Yes. When it's a thought that's claimed by the mental process, and it's claiming is my thought, yeah. Then the mental process gives its nature, which is time. So the thought can stay. Yeah? It's almost... See, a thought's nature is to come and go. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just... Because the thoughts are coming, they're, for me, they're arising out of the conditioning, the memories and all like that, yes? So let's say um, con- there's conscious contact. The mind's reaction is to claim it, and how it claims it is it interprets it. And it can only interpret it from the past, because that's what it's made of. Yes? All the thoughts are old. All, everything's rehashed and represented. So it represents the conscious contact in a, in a past light, so to speak. And when that is seen to be so, then the thoughts that are around that past thing arise. The feelings that were connected to that past thing arise now. And you have a re-experience or a representation of conscious contact. Based on it playing God, the self thing. Yeah. No, no. This is a very small system of thought and interpretation, self-centeredness. It's like we're all walking around with a big helmet on, yes, and the the, the oxygen of that helmet is anxiety. Yeah. It becomes the commonplace condition. Yeah. And the men- the mental process is producing the physiological effects of fear with no threat. It's doing it all out of what's not happening. It's, mind, it's really mind-boggling if you look at it. So a thought, we use this all the time. Let's say there's a word here, money. Yeah? And everyone looks at it. And If you know a little bit about the Course in Miracles, there's a lesson in the Course in Miracles, Lesson 2, which I, I really, really like, which is you and I give everything all the meaning it has. That's what we do as an apparatus or as a telescope here. Our lenses give meaning to things. And there's, you have a subjective experience here, yeah? By the by, the uh, coordination of the lenses, you're in, you know, your conditioning and everything like that. So you see things subjectively. So in one day, if you're not feeling good, that thing you're looking at's a problem. The next day you're feeling good, it's not a problem. The next day you're not feeling good, it's a problem again. What is it? Really? It's neither a problem or not a problem. It's the meaning your head's giving. You, yeah. So we're doing this on a very extensive level, this apparatus. And so most of the meaning we're giving things is from self-centeredness. It's like a system of thought and interpretation with the center of self. So the whole basis of the system and what keeps it going is there's a long-lasting independent separate entity. That's the thought in there. So if there's money here, there's relationships, and let's say there's sex. And so everyone will look at that and you have a meaning. Let's say if you weren't having sex, maybe sex would mean more to you than someone who's having sex. Yeah? If you didn't have any money, it may mean to more than, than someone in the room who has some money. Okay? But if you really want to change the way when life gets claimed by selfing, is add the word my. My money has a lot bigger meaning to you than money. Okay? My sex, big time meaning. My relationships, you can write novels about that. Yeah? Same thing with thought. A thought is a thought, but if it's my thought, it can be the beginning of a novel. Yeah? It's the my 
It's the act of identifying, yes, that whatever appears in consciousness, thoughts appear in consciousness, yeah, feelings and all this stuff, you believe they're bringing a message to you, but really my view is that you're, the conditionality is injecting a meaning into them. So a thought uh, occurs, and it, once it's seen as my thought, which means I'm the thinker of it or it's about me, those are the way the mind claims them, is I'm the thinker of these thoughts, they're mine, or they're about me. When that's in place, the conditionality, the memory, all those files, it's like, as soon as Paul thinks something's happening, that Paul represents tons of files. Yeah? As soon as, the, as, soon as something occurs and is claimed by Paul, I'm seeing this, or this is about me. And what are they doing? Tons of files get activated, and those files inject into the thought, or into the feeling, or into the event, and this thing gives meaning to the event. So you never see exactly what's happening. You see what you think is happening. Or actually, better, what you thought was happening. Because it's the past. Yeah? And so you're reacting, you're not responding, because responding is conscious contact. Reacting is the mental process to conscious contact. And we are suffering from the meaning-giving that self-centeredness does. And that's why it's the same old, same old to you. Let's say you go to Bangkok, Thailand. In three days, it looks like Vancouver. It's the same old, same old. Yeah? You're going to give the same old meaning to things after a while, wherever you are. Because the same system's running the show. And so we've been, we've been through every possibility you can have in self-centeredness. The, pos- the best possibility he has is you will be okay later. It's never you're fine now, is it? Have you ever seen someone who comes in and you go, they're really suffering, and you go, oh, what's happening? You say, oh, don't worry, I will be okay. All right, so what is it gonna, when is that okayness going to happen? Well, it's usually based on what they do or don't do, once again. Yeah? But they're not, they don't have a sense of okayness now. That's what the possibility of self-centeredness is. You will be okay later at a future date. Never now that you're okay, you will be okay. Same thing with the fairy princess or the knight in shining armor. I will be saved by another person. Yes? I don't feel love at all, but I, I will feel love when someone loves me. This is the possibility of self-centeredness. What you are as a source of peace and love becomes forgotten, and something outside becomes the bringer of the peace and love. And so you're dependent on them. Yes? If they don't show up, there's no love. If they show up, there's love. But only conditional. If they don't show up, there's no love. And this is playing God with that you are the source of love. Yeah. You're hoping, yes. <laughs> But it won't be you. It won't be you, and that's the freedom. Nothing has to change one bit. What changes is it's not you. If I was here, well, I am here tonight, right? Yeah. Uh, let's say there's a woman I'd like to know in the other room. I want to know her biblically, right? I'm interested in her, but I don't want to take a chance about asking her out because she may reject me, and I don't want to go through that. God forbid. Right? So I'm trying to hear what she has to say. I'm thinking she's going to be talking about me with her girlfriends. 
So I'm supposed to be doing this meeting, but my attention and interest is in the other room. Yeah? I'm like really straining to hear. And so someone says, hey, Paul, you're supposed to be doing this. I, and I totally agreement with you, but I can't help myself. Yeah? I'm very interested in this. This, is, this means a lot to me. Yeah? And so and someone says, hey, Paul, here, here's a book. You know? This will teach you how not to listen to a wall when you're supposed to be doing something else. I page through it. I understand, but I can't seem to help myself. But when I hear her speak, and she's speaking about Matt, and my name is Paul, by the way, yeah? She's speaking about Matt. I lose interest immediately. I don't have to take a three-month workshop how to lose interest in another conversation in another room. As soon as I sense it's not about me, I lose interest in it. That's exactly what happens. As soon as you realize, there's a seeing that they are not your thoughts, you'll lose interest in them. Seriously, like that. And you can't lose interest, you'll lose interest in them. Interest is like, there's no quantified amount of interest or attention. You'll lose interest and attention in that object. You don't have to wrestle with the obsession with self. When you realize it's not about you, it will dim down. And that interest and attention, it's almost like a force, like gravity. Don't you feel it sometimes? If there's, there's sort of like an energy that moves everything to have a lot of meaning to you. Yes? Very, like when I was a kid, I remember I was 10 years old, 11 years old. I was walking through the hallway at school, and a girl said hello to me. And I went home and wondered what she meant by it for about five hours. <laughs> it was like the biggest event of another huge day of old big events. Everything was ponderously important. And my mind just represented it five hours. Does she like me? Doesn't like me? It was just unbelievable. <laughs> people just walked in this door tonight and experienced walking in the door? Or was there a lot of thinking going on while they were walking in the door? The mental experience dominates every other experience here. Because why? Because what we're identified as is a mental process. Why would it not want to be involved in, in mental experiences? That's what it is. It's an idea or a thought from a mental process. It's totally engaged in the mental world. Your thoughts have no, your interest driven by self, does it have really a lot of attention or interest in now? It's always dwelling in the past and the future. So it's not about dealing with the reactions of this and that. It's seeing it's not, there's no you that's having the reaction. You lose interest in the reactions. You lose interest in the big, see for me it was like, the need to be liberated was dropped. <laughs> it has absolutely no importance. Yeah? I lost total interest in the search. I didn't, but there was a losing total interest in it. Because there was a seeing that what the hell is going on in a search? A lot of you. And I'm not that. So I lost interest in what things it does to reflect itself, which is seeking big time. Yeah. Am I an alcoholic? No. But I had alcoholism. This mental process has it, and this physicality has it. Yes, for sure. I was wondering when you say that um, the, the addictive personality, how, how someone different 
There's different extremes. You'd have to hear my story. Oh, no, I can't do that here. For me, alcoholism is an extreme example of self-centeredness. And it has a, a, some levels of consequences that are extreme. In other words, it usually paints with a broad stroke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're like tornadoes. We cause a lot of havoc around us. Yeah, other people sometimes are totally enthralled with self, but it's a quiet desperation type. Alcoholics are usually pretty flamboyant in their destructive nature. Yeah? So I would say that's the difference. And also the excessiveness of the concern with self is much more extreme than quote-unquote normal people. The excessiveness of the concern with self. You see, the mental process makes up an idea of self. The disease of alcoholism is not in the blood. It's not like cancer. It's not on the skin. It's not in the lymph glands. It's in the mental process. You can't take an x-ray and see alcoholism. You can't. You can't see the tumor of alcoholism in an x-ray. You can't take an MRI scan and see alcoholism. No, there it is, right next to the lung. It's not there. It's in. It's a, a deep mental groove in the mental process. And so if the mental process is producing a product called a self, then that a product is going to be infected with alcoholism if the mental process has alcohol. Yes? And it's going to express that disease. What alcoholism is to me, in a sense, it's like a parasite. Yes? It takes over the seeming host, this, and it expresses itself through the host. Now, this is a very hostile takeover, so it has an incredible strategy. It convinces the host that it's the host. Yeah? So someone with alcoholism is identified as a self. If you're identified as a self, you can never entertain being free of it. The best you can do is killing yourself. You, the body has to go with the mental process, the, that disease, because you are identified as that disease. Yeah? When you see you're not a self, you can be free from the bondage of self. Your mind can entertain being free from the parasite. But if you're identified as a parasite, you will never entertain being free of it. You'll just be cleaning up after it and getting a therapy and trying to get its self-esteem and all this stuff. Which is trying to, like, train a snake to be nice. It's not going to work. <laughs> when you go to an AA meeting, or when one You don't have to say anything. Is that the well, every different region has different protocol. But I know people who've gotten, uh, let's say, wildly about it. They will say, I'm a grateful member of AA. So they're not actually saying they're an alcoholic. To me, it doesn't matter because I'm not. Yeah? So I can say anything. Very proud to say that he's not Yeah. He, he gets a big smile on his face and he's the secretary for his group. And it's like his new identity. Yes. Just, just, Whatever selfing comes in contact with, it will claim. Yes? That's what it does. 
It doesn't have a life of its own. It has to have the life that's presented through you. So whatever life is being presented to you, the selfing will claim it. So thinking is being presented through you, you're saying, I'm the thinker. Feelings are being had in here, you're saying, I'm the one who feels. Seeing, feeling, tasting, touching is occurring, it's saying, I'm the seer, I'm the hearer, I'm the feeler, I'm the taster. Its first movement is to claim life. Yeah? And make it its life. Let's say you had a kid and you were in a park and there was 20 kids there in the park playing. Which kid would you be looking at? Yours, yes? Same thing with thoughts. As soon as thoughts become your thoughts, your attention is driven to them and bound to them. And then you believe the thoughts bring in you something, but you actually injected it, you did it, the self-centeredness with a meaning. That's bondage to self. It's a verb. There is no self to be bonded to. It's an activity of a mental process. If you see that, what's seeing that is consciousness. You are that which can see the mental process called self. For sure. The body could be. You were never an addict of any kind. But the mental process and the body, the mental process can have addictive qualities for sure. Why not? Didn't you ever hear the old story about the two monks, then monks, and one was a coward and one was a was courageous, and they were both wide awake, and they saw this band of gangsters attacking a woman. The one monk ran away, who was the coward. The other one saved her, who was the courageous one. But neither of them, it wasn't, there was no difference in them. Because neither of them were the coward or the courageous one. Yes. They were awake, but their apparatus had the qualities of being cowardly. Yes. See, the thing is, when you see something like that, the mind wants to claim and say, I'm a coward. That's its whole thing. Just like if you see some spirituality happening through this, I'm spiritual. How could a body become spirit? It's like water and oil. Yeah. If you believe you're this, then the best you can do is try to become spiritual. It's like trying to graft something onto something else. It doesn't work, does it? I mean, I read a thing in a Buddhist magazine a couple of years ago. It was incredibly eye-opening. A guy who was a famous meditation teacher said all of his oldest, oldest students were coming to him after 20, 25 years saying, nothing radically has changed. <laughs> what? 25 years of practice and nothing radically has shifted? <laughs> Selfing can claim anything. Anything that manifests through this, it will say, I did it. No, of course not. There's no we. That would mean that's another self. See, once again, you're relevant. By either not having control of it or having control of it. We're always written into it. You can't go in a mental conversation to where it's not. It will just keep writing itself into the story. I find myself doing that when you talk about self-defense. I'm just referring to it as though it's something I'm doing it and, and it's something that we can change. It's something that's that's exactly right. That's, well, that's the perfect revelation of selfing. See? Sometimes it'll be a part of something that you call selfing, but your reaction to it is selfing. 
See, there's still a sense, there's always a sense that somewhere there's going to be an authentic me, and I'm going to have a valid response to it. There is no authentic you. It's all, yes. You can give up the ghost. But, I must have something to do with giving up the ghost. No. It's just giving up the ghost. And it's not even that. That would be way too much. See, in AA we have a statement, very big statement, called quit playing God. It's the how and why of the whole program, which means it's pretty comprehensively important in the program of recovery. Yeah? I would imagine if it says the how and why of it is to quit playing God, it seems to be pretty important. Why does, why, he says, why do, we, why do we need to quit playing God? It doesn't work. God doesn't have to play God. Something that isn't God plays God. That's the mental process. It's playing God. It's replacing God with self. I don't like the word God, but let's use it. It's, it's a placing God with the everywhere of God with a special somewhere of self. And now it's living from this as the center instead of being in the everywhereness of center. So, of course, if you're living as this as the center, then there may be in a special somewhere, then the peace that you really, 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 really desire could be somewhere else. Yeah? If you're in a special somewhere, then peace could be somewhere else. But when you realize all there is is everywhere, then peace must be right where you are at all times with no requirement necessary to entertain it. It takes it totally out of this. First of all, it takes it out of t- space and time. Because all doing needs time and space. Yeah? So this message is totally takes you out of space and time, out of any effort, and there's an immediacy of boom, on this. Now your head, and then... In that onness, you'll see the mental reaction to it. I'm telling you, it will try to claim it, surround it, deny it, yes, promote it. I have it. I didn't have it, but now I have it. What did I do to get it now when I didn't have it before? It will write a story of its own relevance. It will attempt to neuter the the total unadornness of a life of not-self. It'll try to throw. It'll try to put itself in the, as one of the jewels in that necklace. Yeah, that, come on, let me get in there. Let me get in there. Somehow, I'm blocking you off from seeing that one sparkle of light that would change your whole life. I'm the one. Yes, I should have meditated longer. I was with the 16th Kamapa and I left. Oh no! Everything went totally wrong. Why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I was with a guru when I was younger, really young, really young. And he was purported to be the Lord of the Universe. And I found myself in one of the hells of selfing. Because I didn't like the Lord of the Universe. (laughs) So what does that make me if there's the Lord of the Universe and I don't like the Lord of the Universe? Pretty damn bad in my little selfing. Man, what a fucking emotional hell I was in for five years. All the devotees rushing ahead and I'm sitting there. This guy's a jamoke, you know what I mean? Oh, the all-wonderful I just wasn't translating. It was hell. Yes? Exactly. Well, yeah. That's also a story. There was nothing I needed. Yeah. But you see, it was incredibly painful. Yeah. You quoted the Buddha and you quoted St. Francis. Yes. I don't know if I should use the word belief, but do you all have a belief in reincarnation? Paul does not have a relief in reincarnation. A relief, a belief in reincarnation. No. 
But Paul could have a belief in it. Paul can go either way, but I'm not Paul. People are trying to... hmm? Well, I'm not the speaker either. You're not going to catch me with that. (laughs) Not going to happen. I've heard it all before. (laughs) But you can try. So from that space, this is just a game? To who? It's just his. Well, no, see, that's the thing. We're attempting to try to apply third dimensional or self centered rules onto something. You won't be able to figure it out from that view. It's not a game, or it is a game. Who knows? It's just what is. But it has a quality in me, for me, that it's constantly on. And in that onness or in that verbing, it intimates its nature. Now, to who? There's no who but there's an intimation of its nature by its verbing. The consciousness of the incessant being conscious intimates something. And if, as, as you're traveling as that, the intimations sort of download, and it seems to affect the action figure. The action figure starts traveling lighter. Yeah? Because maybe, just maybe, it can finally, in a sense, because it's not entertaining its own absence as the absence, it's entertaining its absence as the presence. Yes? To entertain your absence as the absence is impossible, like you shared. But you can definitely entertain this absence as the presence. And I'm saying you are that. You are that presence. And if this is absence at one second... It's never been present. Presence can never be absent. Because it's presence. If something that was presenting itself to be present can be absent, that is a pretty good indication it's not presence. Because presence can never be absent. It can only seem to be absent to you, the mental process, when it's present as you. But it cannot be absent. Because it's presence. just like everywhere, can't be anything other than that. How can anything be excluded out of everywhere? It covers the base, yes? Everywhere is everywhere. Yes. With only seeing, how can there be anything we are not or conscious of? How can, there isn't any. It's an appearance. There's nothing that we're not, either. Exactly. It's an appearance. What you're not is appearing. What you are isn't appearing. What you are is not appearing. It's appearing as what you're not, but it's not appearing as what it is. You can't see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it. It doesn't have any qualities. The qualities that we use to indicate it is by its intimation as going through this. Yes? When whatever that is moves through this and there's an awareness of that, it's quality, the qualities are shown through this that intimate maybe, just maybe, yeah? It could possibly be like that, but there is, there is no that. It's all there is, yeah? And it doesn't have any qualities. The qualities get expressed as it moves through this. So that's why you call conscious mind seeing, hearing, because that's all that exists. Yeah, exactly. That's... We're the expression of the verb of consciousness. Consciousness is being conscious of through this, isn't it? 
when I'm sitting here, let's say there could be a world where it was 20 cents doors. Seeing is seeing. It's not defined by the gates it goes through. In here, it goes through, you know, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling, and hearing, and then seeing thoughts. But it could be 20 doors. Who knows? Because all there is is seeing. Awareness, yeah. How am I going to have an intimation of that, yet by the verb of being conscious of? The constant verb of being conscious of intimates awareness. There's no way in hell it would ever be intimated unless there was consciousness of. All there is is awareness. There would be nothing going on. Just like you don't, you can never realize you're not a body unless you believe you are a body. What happened with me is the, the strongest intimation is the verbness of it. And then there's that deafening silence. Whatever, I don't have any idea. But whatever that is, is intimated by verbing to me. In the being, I get a sense of that. And I don't get a sense of that. There's a sense of that that's verbing. Yeah? And it's like a living scripture. The chant never ends. It's always so as it's sowing, so to speak. Yes? That's what I love about it. That to me is love. What would love be but the constant expression of itself in your life, which is consciousness of? Consciousness of all the time. All. What, what, what could that be but love? There's a rule in AA, it's a little made-up rule, it says, don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Got to get to the root of this. <laughs> Did I hear me correctly when you did you say that you wouldn't know who you are without knowing who you aren't? No, you know the act of knowing who you are, like like. Ramana said, knowing God is being God. So the act of knowing who you are is realizing what you're not. Because that's the act of being conscious. You're recognizing what you're not. Yeah? That to me is the knowing God or the being God. I don't like to go to... I wouldn't go to the, all there is is the light and everything like that. You know, because there could always be a sense of a self that's going to the light. I like to just to present it as what I'm not. And when I see what I'm not, that's the activity of being what I am. That's being conscious. Yeah? Seeing what I'm not, that's the activity. That's the beingness demonstrating itself. I'm conscious. Yeah, I feel it too. See, I'm not, you know, that's the language, but you know what I'm attempting to put out. And it's a living feeling. It's, it's a sense, a strong sense. It's not like, uh, it's not brought to you by thought. 
It's a, it's a knowing prior to thinking. And there's no time in it. It's like, in, in this world, we, a pause is, gets close to it. A pause is like an eternal moment in time. In recovery, the pause is a very important state. Because what happens in addict life is that we come to a point that we don't know what to do, and yet we always do something, which creates havoc. <laughs> Tons of consequences ensue. Yeah? This pause is when you're at that point, which is the highest level of Zen, is the I don't know. You hit a point where you don't know what to do, and then you don't do anything. Yes? And that pause, all these possibilities download. Anything can happen. A whole new direction in a life that was solidly going down one groove can make a right turn. It's an infinite moment in time. And when you're in a pause, you definitely do not sense time-likeness. It's got a flavor to it that isn't of time. That pause is actually eternity. So we, you know, say, say, just live from the pause. Because that's actually the revelation of what you are. Not all the chatter and all the time and space in between. That's an appearance of what you are. But the revelation of what you are is in the pause. It's as the pause. Mind can entertain huge. The ability of mind to entertain is unbelievable. It has been, it's like a a marathon runner that's been locked in a cellar and it's running like a four by four foot loop of self-centeredness going over the same old, same old. It's going to cause incredible neuroses to the mental process. There's just too much light and energy to be focused on something that's not so. (laughs) Really. It's like letting that dude out and then it starts entertaining the possibility. Not that I will be okay, but I am. And there'll be a sense of okayness. Not a thought that I'm, I'm okay now, but a sense of okayness. Yeah? There will be acceptance instead of toleration. You'll just accept what's so because you realize it isn't so. Yeah. What do you think about this movement in our world these days, like the secret, where people are claiming that these powerful thoughts are attracting manifestations, actually physical things happening in their lives? I don't know anything about the secret, to tell you the truth. But I'm sure anything can happen here. These people are saying that the energy of thought is somehow creating something tangible. Like, I, you know, I'll say the thought of, I'm going to land a $100,000 contract. And if I keep thinking about it, and I feel it, and if I envision it, then it eventually... Has happens. it worked out for you? I I haven't tried, but I'm saying that uh, this is the claim. I don't know. I'd have to look into it, but I probably won't. (laughs) But I'll say I will, but I'm pretty sure I won't. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know. There's a lot of things, you know, that you can do here, seemingly. Maybe it'll produce results, but a lot of times there's a lot of unintended consequences with the results, yeah? So maybe you get what you think you want, but now you're bound to the one who got it. So you look like you got the freedom, but you're actually in slavery. Yeah? Who knows? Yeah? Slavery can look... You know, slavery can have gold chains or iron chains. It's the same slavery. Bondage to self can look really good. Okay? To you and me. But is it? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know anything about the secret. I've heard it. I heard a guy got in a lot of trouble, one of the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Are there? Yeah. It's an old thing, though, isn't it? Law of attraction. Hmm? Oh, yes. Oprah, man, forget about it. Oprah, it's a total new... You're in, like, mega whatever. Eckhart Tolle, that's what happened with him, eh? Jesus Christ, that lady's got some power here. stumped by the secret. I like this statement in, in the open secret. I like that. Because yeah. how can it be a secret if it's open? Yeah? I love the statements like the gateless gate. How can there be a gate? How could there be a gatekeeper if there was no gate in the gateless gate? Ah, an open secret can't be a secret if it's open. Exactly. That's the whole point. If you were in something all the time, you wouldn't notice it. It's like gravity. You wouldn't. The mind needs something to stop and start to notice it. It needs time. Something that's timeless will not be noticed here. So we're, we're like that fish that's in the water. I, I bet you that that water fish doesn't know it's wet. Yeah. Totally immersed all day. I bet you it doesn't have an experience of being wet because it's always been wet. It doesn't have an experience of it. That's its medium. But if it gets hooked and gets pulled on a deck, and it starts flapping around, it's going to know the importance of the water by the absence of it. Yes? It's going to be flipping out. Well, a lot of us look like that's what we're doing here, but we have nice boots or a nice outfit, but we're, everything's just flipping. <laughs> Irritable, restless, and discontent. Seeking, seeking, seeking. Yeah? But we're, look, we're, we're wet as hell. We just believe we're not, as a self. And then we want to get wet as a self, but it has to be only an experience. Because the the predetermination is that I'm dry. I want the experience of being wet, but I want it to be based on I'm dry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's the thing. If you have, it's in a way you can look at it. There's all these trains of thoughts. Yes, holding them as the thinker of it, you become a passenger, and then you seem to travel in those trains of thoughts. But in a real sense, in that analogy, you're like the station. Yes, a lot of trains are coming through, but the station never gets on any of them, or it wouldn't be the station. Yes, the station witnesses or sees all the trains coming and going. Yes. And it sees what it says, like local to hell or whatever, and it just notices everything, but it never turns into a passenger. The selfing causes you as a station to become a passenger, and then you get on trains of thoughts, and they take you to destinations in what's not happening. And I'm telling you, there is no airport in what's not happening. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of travel agents, but you know, and a lot of brochures, but there's no, like vacation spot there. You're not going to get a massage and what's not happening. Yeah? It doesn't exist. If there's the entertaining as a station, that's that immunity is set. You recognize what's not happening. And the original what's not happening is you. 
as a long-lasting independent separate entity. You, you, yeah. <laughs> the you. <laughs> that is the original what's not happening. With that as taken to be happening, then what's not happening seems to be real to that. Yeah. When this is not seen to be you, what's not happening is seen to be unreal. You don't have to practice it. You don't have to read books on it. It will just, you, you will see anew. You will see what's not happening has one quality lacking. It's not happening. And what's happening has one quality. It, that thing doesn't have, it's happening. Yeah? And after a while, whatever is happening, the quality of it being happening grabs your attention and interest. You're like attentive to this place because you realize what's not happening is not happening. having the inaneness. The inaneness, its real value is its reflection of a self that's in it. So it can be totally insane shit, but it reflects a you that's having it. And that's the drive of this conditional mind, is the relevance of that idea of being you. It'll use anything, the most inane stuff. It can go over and over and over and over and over again. You know, you can just obsess over the, the newspaper boy missed your porch two Sundays ago. Over and over and over and over. You would say that's pretty inane, but it's reflecting an idea of being you. Yes, that's just intent. You're never presented as a thought. You are never presented as a thought. You are consciousness. You are that. You are what sees the presentations of you as a thought. If you see it, you're not it. Yes? And you're conscious, so that's a, a possibility. You can see it. And what what easier thing to do than to recognize what's not happening so that you neuter its effects? Yeah? And the same thing, you'll start growing in an immunity to thought because you won't be seeing them as yours or about you. And the interest and attention that bounds to them will be let go. And that interest and attention will be directed by I don't know what, but it will go somewhere other than up the ass of self. It will start going other places, and it will enrich your life where the other was draining life away from you. It will enrich your life. The same interest and attention. Everyone in this room has tons of faith. Tons of faith. Everybody in this room has tons of what we call faith. Faith manifests here in what vehicle it's put in. Faith, when it manifests in this dream, it manifests by what vehicle you put in. 
if you put it into your thoughts and you believe those thoughts, it's going to produce anxiety. If you believe the thoughts in your head, that belief is going to produce anxiety. Yes? The same faith, if given over to something other than that, will produce an ease and comfort as you're traveling. Exact same energy, just what is put in. Many people are true devotees of mind. They're not like this when they pray. They're like this. They're just thinking about what's not happening. Just like this. They're unbelievably devoted to mind. And we are incredible miracle workers. You know, Jesus supposedly raised someone that was alive from the death bed, Lazarus. We're raising something out of what's not happening every day. It never even happened, and we're raising it. Far past, we're doing better things than Jesus ever did. We're taking something out of nothing and making it override what's happening. Every freaking day. It was never existed, and yet we're bringing it into life. <laughs> That's right, we're not doing it. That's right. That's why it's happening. With such, well, it's happening, but that's why it happens. It's happening with such juice. It uses your, you're the technicolor, you're the Panavision. Self is playing God with your godlike juice. Yes. But it isn't happening. It only seems to be happening to a you that isn't happening. It only seems to be happening to a you. If you're not that you, you don't see it to happen. It doesn't seem to happen. It appears, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. What time is it now? Quarter to nine? You're going to milk out the last 15 minutes of me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any, more, any questions? More questions? Yes. Remember, when something seems so real, it's going to be to you. Yeah? To you plays a big role in it seeming real. Yeah? They're not separate. But to you and the reality of a dream is that they're connected. Let's say if I'm a dream object, yeah, I'm identified as this, and there's a dream tiger, I'm going to be scared of that dream tiger. No matter how much I study that I shouldn't be scared of it, I'm going to react out of a lot of fear and anxiety about that dream tiger. The only relief from the effects of the dream tiger is to wake up. When I realize I'm not the dream object, then I'm not afraid of the dream tiger. That's what it's like. This is a dream, a dreamt object, so to speak. Let's say dreaming is happening through it. Yeah? So let's say... If you want to call it a noun, you're more the dreamer than the dreamed object. 
in the recognition of that, you have start having immunity to the effects of the dream on the dream object. Yeah? It's like a byproduct. You start traveling lighter, that's what I've noticed, as an action figure. That's just an interpretation to this. Yes? When I... Something that's constantly offered to me represents love. So consciousness is constantly offered by being conscious of. Yeah? For me, that's love. In The Course in Miracles, they used to call it the nature of love is to extend. Yeah? To go out. That's sort of what I feel like. Let's say if you think you're in a dilemma, the solution's always at hand. You're conscious. That would be love. Let's say if your mind could get into this big dilemma and and the invitation out, quote-unquote, out of that dilemma was always offered, that would be love. If you could get confused and get caught up in your head, and yet all the while that was happening, the invitation out of that dilemma was offered, that would be love. That's what I. That's how I look at it. So is presence something like grace? Presence, yes. It's grace. Yeah. Grace and presence, I don't see any difference. But they're just names. They just, you know, conceptualize something. There's just an onness, yeah? It's incessant. And the onness intimates the stillness that it issues from. Yes? To me, that's peace. In action. Peace doesn't have to appear to be stillness. It's the verb of it also. Yes. So you can have an incredible sense of stillness in seeing the verb of being constantly. Yes. It, it's, it's actually in that verbing is stillness, obviously. All the same. So in that sense of being, conscious of all the time, is an incredible stillness. You would think that it would be hectic and busy, but it has the opposite uh, nature. In a sense. Yeah? The mind sees it as hectic and busy. That's why it tries to shut down and uh, disassociate and numb out. It doesn't want to. It's actually being driven crazy by being conscious. Yeah? It's so hyper-conscious, or what we call self-conscious. It's so self-conscious as an object to other people's thoughts, and on and on. And it's constantly... What's causing the insanity at night is not the mental process, it's the awareness of it. <laughs> you just can't, the consciousness is captured by the mental process. You'd like to go out to sleep, and your mind is just, the mental stage is illuminated, you keep seeing the representation over and over again. It drives the you crazy. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, selfie wants to be really unconscious. It's unbearable to it. The light is so unbearable to it. That's why I don't believe you can ever travel as this, as that. It would burn you out so quickly. It's impossible, because you're not so. But even if you possibly could, you'd be burnt out in a half hour. Yeah. Haven't you ever noticed some people that go through a 
they're here and they start, quote-unquote, waking up. A lot of them, and it's just an appearance here, they go through a process. Their body gets shook up. Their nervous system has to get rewired. It's just like a lot more juice than they used to, because most of the time it was all about dimming down consciousness, yeah? Getting caught up in time. Let's, let's get distracted. Blah, 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 blah. When this thing gets focused... could be very uncomfortable as it, with itself for itself. It's like on the hot seat. Well, like we say, you've been served the spiritual subpoena. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done my job tonight. My seat assignment, so to speak. You sense, the pre- you sense something, eh? Ah, yes, that's it. That's the meal. The concepts and the language is an envelope. The real message is what gets goes through the mail slot. Yeah? The intellect has a mail slot. You have to give a message, yes, in a way. But the message is not the envelope. It's when you you see the thoughts, whatever, the, the language, but the message is the energy. Yeah. It's like a souffle. It's beautiful. It's, just, it's so beautiful and it's sweet. Yeah? Just sitting there. Don't you <laughs> that makes everything else besides the point, literally. It really is. I mean, all your stories would end if you really felt satisfied. They really will. You would give up the ghost. All that incessant seeking and hoping and all that and rationalizing, the excusing it not being here, you know, based on I did something, I know, all this. All that... It's all stuck with non-gluing glue. It just, yeah. It's finally, you have the ability to recognize what's so. You're conscious. Yeah. And once that is tasted, you have an ability to taste what's not so. It's like seeing blue is blue and red is red. It gets very clear. Not to anyone. It's just a clear way of going. And so... You enjoy the trip. You're not withholding now with the expectation of embracing later. You see that as a total joke. There's just a withhold. There's an embracing of whatever shows up. And if the head says it doesn't want to embrace it, that's what's showing up. The head saying it doesn't want to embrace it. It's just. What else are you going to do? It's reason. It's it's totally relentless. Onness is on. It's never going to dim down. It doesn't take a break. It doesn't blink. It doesn't take a big sigh. It's on. You can only act as if it isn't so in time for a short time called a life. It's all made up. There's no way what's not so could ever, ever erase what's so. It's impossible. So if not now, when? When you feel like you're ready, you're purified or whatever, something like that, that's playing God. Oh no, let me, I want to put it off another day. Let me go home and read. I want to see somebody who contradict what he said. Yes, let's, let's, let's just say no to the message because of the messenger. It's mine, 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 mine. You're your own authority, finally. It's going to be in your gut, the unspoken yes hits. It cannot be delivered by someone else. 
they can point at it, but the unspoken yes is... No, I don't believe in the head and the heart. I don't think it's a trip from here. I think it's the gut. Something happens and you, there's an unspoken yes. It's a done deal. Yes, that's that. Now, the mind will have its death froze and may last the rest of your life, but it's not you. Who cares? It's just, it, it's yelling and whining, but it's always looking for your attention. Yeah. Really, it just wants relevance. It's like, this is like you never look back in a sense. You also go, oh, I'd really like it to come with me. Come on, come on. I know you've been denying it for years, but now, come on. No, you don't look back. It's over. Bye-bye. It's just a scene. That's it. Yeah? It may seem like a responsibility to your head. Because it's tough to respond to the ability of being free for a head. It's unbearable to it. It wants to want to be free. It does not want to be free. Your head does not want to be free. It wants to want to be free. It's scared shit of freedom. Because it doesn't exist there. So every time your mind turns back and your attention goes with it, that's the birth of selfing in a way. Of course it's not so, but your attention gets wrapped up in it, and so it seems to be so. That's right. Self is born every moment. You're either, in a sense, here, you're either, in a sense, as a living, you're either dying to the self or as the self. Every second. Dying as the self is you're believing all the thoughts, you're thinking the world is real and solid, there's time and space, and you are the what's conscious. That's dying as a self. It's a slow seeming death, but you're dying as the self. Dying to the self is you have an immunity to the thought. Yes? You're you have the sense of the presence, which is, 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 is screaming your absence. That's what it's doing. It's screaming, this is absent. Yes? And so that's dying to the self. If this is a dualistic construct, which it seems to be, that's it. That's the dualism of an expression here. Either dying as or to. Yeah. And it's a verb. Sometimes the verbing, all there is is consciousness, but the verbing here could be a dying as or a dying to. Yeah. So if I say you're appalling, it's a compliment. Hmm? So if I say you're appalling, it's a compliment. I'm appalling? Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a compliment. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I've had better, but I'll take it. I'm appalling. <laughs> I'll take anything. I'm a beggar for some approval. Yeah. Please. I'm walking around with a banging bowl asking for my balls back. You know? Please, yes. Give me a little attention. I know I don't deserve it. Yes. yes I am appalling. I'm, I'm appallinating. That's a good one, too. I'm appallinating. <laughs> I'm going to use that one. I'm appallinating. <laughs> There's going to be some pollination going on at 7 o'clock or whatever tomorrow. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. Yes. Let's pull myself together. Well, that's it, eh? Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you.